welcome to my little house of prayer. I am your host, Dayla Smith. I'm so very glad that you could join me today. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Let's open in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that we can come before you on this beautiful Monday morning, a day that you have made to be glad and rejoice in, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, as we dive into this message, let it be your words and not mine. And let us have a wonderful discussion about it in Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name. Amen. I want to take a moment to thank everyone for their patience with me during this time. I had to put my brain on brain rest. Oh, I wrote this a while back. <laughs> so... Anyways, but I do, I want to thank everyone, take a moment to thank everyone for their patience with me during the time that I had to put my brain on brain rest. That was not an easy thing to do, but through obedience to the doctor and the Holy Spirit, which was not easy to do, <laughs> the diagnosis of a full-blown concussion went all the way down to a very slight concussion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All praise, honor, and glory to the Lord Most High. I also fought with a history of gastritis, diverticulitis, and colitis since 2010. Well, I went and did the annual colonoscopy, and the doctor walks in with a look of complete surprise. I thought, oh, here goes. <laughs> Then he asked me what I'm doing to completely reverse the diagnosis. I told him that I was following the diet that I was first put on. After a few more questions, he said that the colonoscopy went beautifully and that my colon and intestines were completely healed. Once again, hallelujah. How you like that, huh? He's still in the miracle working business. But it requires faith from us, and it requires obedience to the people that God has given the wisdom to. Now, to begin, on August 11, 1927, Smith Wigglesworth stood in Angelus Temple to preach on preparing for the second coming of Christ. This is in 1927, y'all. He told the audience that liquid fire was consuming him. Then Wigglesworth made this opening statement. But there will be things that will happen prior to his coming that we shall know. You can tell. I am like one this morning that is moving with liquid, holy, indispensable, real fire in my bosom. And I know it is burning And the body is not consumed. It is real fire from heaven that is making my utterance come to you. To know that he is coming. He is on the way. Remember, he's saying this in 1927, y'all. God is going to help me tell you why you will know. You that have the breath of the Spirit, there is something now moving as I speak. As I speak, this breath of mighty, 
quickening, moving, changing, desirable power is making you know, and it is this alone that is making you know that you will be ready. Number one, there must be special preparation for the return of Christ, and at least half of all believers will be totally unprepared. God help us. That's my input. We have to see that these days have to come before the Lord can come. There has to be a falling away. I want to speak to you very exactly. All the people which are pressing into and getting ready for this glorious attained place where they shall be found, not found naked, where they shall be blameless, where they shall be immovable, where they shall be purified by the power of the word of God, have within them a consciousness of the very presence of God within, changing their very nature and preparing them for a greater thing and causing them to be ready for translation. This is a day of purifying. This is the day of holiness. This is the day of separation. This is the day of waking. Oh God, let us awake today. Let the inner spirit wake into consciousness that God is calling us. There are in the world two classes of believers. There are believers which are disobedient, or I ought to say there are children which are saved by the power of God, which are disobedient children. And there are children which are just the same, saved by the power of God, who all the time are longing to be more obedient. This is my interjection. I hope that we are all aiming for more obedience. I know I am. And we heard the word come rushing through all over. New theology. That damnable, devilish, evil power that lived in some of these disobedient children, which in these last days opened the door to the next thing. Number two. There will be many Christians who believe that they can do whatever they want and God will look the other way. This makes me weep. That's my interjection. People are tremendously afraid of this position because they have heard so much on this line. Oh, you know, you are the elect of God. You are sure to be all right. Me personally, when someone says I'm all right, I turn to Jesus and say, nope, I'm not all right because I'm not close enough. There have been in England great churches which were laid out upon these things. I thank God that they're all withered. You will find if you go to England, those strong people that used to hold all these things are almost withered out. Why? Because they went on to say, whatever you did, if you were elect, you were right. That is wrong. The elect of God are those who are pressing forward. Number three. It will be common for preachers to deny the existence of hell. Denying hell prepares the way for the Antichrist. What? No hell? The devil has always said, what does Christian science say? Ray says, we could insert other names here for the times we're in right now. No hell, no devil. They are ready for him. 
The devil has always said no hell, no evil. And these people are preparing, and they do not know it for the man of sin. Number four, it is offensive to talk about the blood of Christ. When I spoke about the blood and when I spoke about this infernal thing, the whole place was upset. You be careful when anybody comes to you with a sugar-coated pill or with a slimy tongue. They are always of the devil. The Spirit of the Lord will always deal with truth. These people never deal with truth. They always cover up the truth. I, me personally, I have witnessed a preacher come in a church that I was attending, and we sang blood songs, power in the blood, victory in the blood, you know, and he was taking notes during worship when he should have been worshiping. I watched all this go on, and then I heard him get up because my pastor was kind enough to let him have the floor for a moment. And he criticized everything we did. He criticized the worship. He criticized the blood songs and said, too much blood songs. I don't think there's enough blood songs because that's how we're saved. By a precious sacrifice that I know I wouldn't do for you. Jesus was our only hope. Do you believe it? Who can do it? The blood can do it. The blood, the blood, oh, the blood, the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus can do it. Spotless, clean, preserved for God. Give the devil the biggest chase of his life and say these words. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name. Hallelujah. How did they overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That is my interjection. Number five. The world will look to worship a man and will overlook his faults to get him into power. These people are determined to have a man. They know someone has to come. We know who he is that is coming. They begin to make a man. So they find a man in India. They polish him up as much as they can. And they make him as, well, in appearance, but you know, we are told by the Lord that there is soft clothing that goes on the wolf's back. Number six, that people believe that certain preachers are of God simply because of their crowds and their buildings. A person said to me, you see, the Christian scientists must be right. Look at the beautiful buildings. Look at all the people following them. Yes, everybody can belong to it. You can go to any brother you like. You can go to any theater you like. You can go to any race course you like. You can be mixed up with the rest of the people in your life and still be a Christian scientist. You can have the devil right and left and anywhere and still belong to Christian science. I don't know. Me personally, I, I, I don't know about Christian science. Don't care to know. God did, hadn't led me that way. I do know that there are churches out there right now that go along these courses that he is talking about. Number seven, as churches turn away from the Holy Spirit, many believers go to false teachers. 
The secret of many people going into Christian science is a barren church that had not the Holy Ghost. Christian science exists because the churches have a barren place because they haven't the Holy Ghost. There would be no room for Christian science if the churches were filled with the Holy Ghost. Keep in mind, this is in 1929. Smith Wigglesworth is talking about this. So I'm reading his words exactly. Number eight. The last days are a time for the true people of God to engage in extravagant asking. Believe it or not, I heard this in 1997. A prayer warrior mentioned this comment. And I, I'm the, I hooked up with that, and I've seen God do many mighty things. Up to this present time, the Lord's word is for us. Hitherto you have no, asked nothing. Surely you people that have been asking great things from God for a long time would be amazed if you entered into it with clear knowledge that it is the master, it is Jesus who has such knowledge of the mightiness of the power of the Father, of the joint union with Him, that nothing is impossible for you to ask. Surely it is He only who could say, Hitherto you have asked nothing. So God means me to press you another step forward. Begin to believe on extravagant asking, believing that God is pleased when you ask large things. Just this weekend, I was listening to a minister. At the end of the message, someone in her crew was advertising a political statement. As I began to lift up this person in politics, I heard the Lord say, Even my people who are called by my name are looking for redemption through the hand of man. Instead, they should be looking to me, their only redeemer. Why must you distrust me so? I love you. I carved you out of my hand. Isaiah 49:16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Please quit looking to the arm of flesh for redemption. Look totally upon me, your redeemer. I will redeem all things to myself. That was a word from the Lord. As I read this prophecy, I thought of three scriptures. The first one is 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Today, when you look at what is going on in the world, the level of basic moral principles has lowered itself to almost nothing. It will eventually reach the place of everyone doing only what they think is right. And there is always an excuse or a person to blame it on, which comes down to non-repentance and unforgiveness. 
both which are a heaven or hell issue. You know, Jesus is coming soon, and I want all of you with me in heaven, but I can't make that choice for you. Jesus can't make that choice for you. We both would love for you to make heaven your home, but only you can make that choice. Yes, Jesus loves us, but the question remains, how much do we love him? Are we still taking up our cross and following him? The second is Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. This world has lulled Christians into slumber, the slumber of remaining quiet and just letting things happen. We are accountable for the truth we know. Ezekiel 3, 18-21 When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest not the warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness, and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin." And his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. We cannot sit quietly when we have the truth. Jesus said, It's the truth you know that will set you free. He also said that he is the truth and the life. No man come to the Father but by him. Jesus is our constant truth. We must stand on that truth no matter what if we are to make heaven our home. The third one is Matthew twenty four forty three through 51 But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have enough 
not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but the prophecy in this scripture put the fear of the Lord in me. This keeps me on fire for him. This keeps me at his altar, asking him what sins are still in me so that I can repent of them. I want to be alert and nothing between me and him. I am not perfect. No one is. That is not what the Lord is looking for. He is looking for those who are constantly on their face before him, praying, repenting, seeking his face and not his hand. And above all, the most important is spreading the gospel everywhere you go. So, if you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me introduce you to him. It is really simple. First, you must acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior according to the mirror of the law of the Lord. Even if you are backslidden from the Lord, you still got to come back to that altar and acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. According to the mirror of the law of the Lord, ask Him for His forgiveness for all of your sins and call them out to Him. Thank Him for His forgiveness. Then forgive those who have sinned or transgressed against you. Then repent. Repent means to change your mind concerning sinful habits. Change your choice-making decisions. Let him influence your choice-making decisions as you get in his holy word. Ask him to be Lord over your life. I want to pray this prayer with you, but this is just an outline. The real work begins after I pray with you because it is a very personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you have recommitted your life to Jesus Christ or became a new Christian today, maybe this message spoke to you in some way, or you were looking for someone to pray with other prayer requests you may have, please let me know by commenting below or email me at my number one little AFMP at AOL.com. I would greatly love to hear from you. 
Remember, I love you with the love of the Lord, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth will always love you more. Let's close in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for today, for this time of fellowship with like believers. Father God, I thank you, those of like faith, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help us all to stay awake, stay alert, and be prepared for your coming, Lord, to not go, go to sleep at the wheel, to be quick to share the gospel with anyone and everyone that comes across our path, Father God, to fellowship with the, the saints under a pastor that speaks the full truth of God's word. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name, amen. Remember, I love you with the love of the Lord, but Jesus will always love you more.